Everybody ready? Yep. Let's go. Ahsoka! Four Midwest Guys presents... Star Wars Rebels HQ. Battles leave scars. Some you can't see. All across. I'm afraid it's changing. I will never let my friends get hurt again. Your anger gives you strength. Governor Price, these rebels have proven particularly stubborn. How do you intend to solve this problem? I need someone who sees a bigger picture. To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not simply their battle tactics. But their history, philosophy, art. I must become more powerful. <laughs> Split the treasure. Oh, that's a classic. One last glorious day in the Grand Army of the Republic. Jedi and Sith, the light and the dark. They'll be the architects of their own destruction. The key destroying the Sith. Hello everybody and welcome back to Star Wars Rebels HQ. Today we'll be reviewing Season 3, Episodes 21 and 22. Zero Hour, which is also a part one, part two that they put together for the big season finale of season three. Uh, with me here today to help me do that is Mr. Brian Eckenbauer. Hey, what's up, what's up? What's going on, B? And also my brother, Aaron. Hey, how's it going, man? The whole crew's here for you with finish off season three. So let's get right into it, guys. So right off the bat, uh, Thrawn arrives and uh, he's got his own death troopers. So another nice little Rogue One connection there. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, it's, you don't see him pop up too often, so it's a nice little tie-in. It yeah. is. It is. It was kind of cool. Um, I, I think they almost look cooler animated, I thought, than, yeah, than they little. did in live, live action. You know, because you get, like, the green. You see the green. But I think we on. also knew what they were, too. Oh, yeah. So when you, as soon as you saw them on the uh, like animated, you're like, ooh, I know exactly what those are now. Yeah, exactly. It's like, ooh, okay. So I guess... Um, they these rogue troopers are reserved for high ranking members in the uh, I guess in the the imperial. Yeah, well, or... it's interesting that you see them with Thrawn since this is kind of the first time you see them with him, and it's yeah. The only other person you see them with is like Vader, yeah. Well, not even Vader. We saw, we only saw them with. Uh, they're supposed their official description says they're Vader's troopers, but mm. in reality, we've only seen them with uh, what's his name Krennic from mm. Rogue One the okay. whole time. So. So yeah, so tr- so, so it's kind, kind of, of reserved for like grad admirals and a lot yeah. of higher positions. Yeah, like their own personal death squads or something mm-hmm. like that along the line. So pretty cool to see. Um, also, we see Callus in this scene. He uses the mouse droid kind of as a spy tool. Um, well, not only that, like you kind of see him like stalking up above, and then he has the little mouse tool and control. Yeah, it's interesting because you never would have considered it but i mean it's one of those things droids are so ubiquitous in the universe anyway oh it's even for thrawn it's kind of a pretty much let not notice little tidbit little yeah a little detail i would never uh never thought to use a mouse droid that way although i've always wondered what the hell they were for <laughs> right exactly <laughs> what, I don't know. I what is assume they were droid. just like garbage droids like broke like uh, Roombas, yeah. I no? guess I always thought they were like just for little transport devices for maybe transporting data. I I, 
I mean, I guess maybe a cold that. drink. Uh, but at the same time, like you already see that you know you can transmit large amounts of data, you know, wirelessly throughout the universe. I mean, you have that um, almost IT ship like a few episodes back, so it doesn't really seem like necessary to transport them. I guess it's just you know, and then we see it go through. I guess the ventilation system. So maybe they're like repair droids or so. I don't know. That, or they keep the ventilation systems clean. Uh, could maybe. be, could be, could be cleaner. I, ventilation sure. scrubbers. Yeah. Ventilation scrubbers. There you go. I mean, so. I guess if you go to enough dusty planets or various atmospheres, it's kind of necessary to kind of clean everything out. So maybe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so there's a big, uh, we all, we all know that, uh, they go into their big secret meeting there. And, uh, I guess the big thing to take away from the meeting is, is that, uh, Tarkin gives Thrawn the capture alive order. Really, I mean, Which not only not only does he say that you know they're going to attack, so they're going to attack uh, Lothal. Mm-hmm. We know that, but we know that somehow they found out that General Dodonna's fleet's on the way through mm-hmm. his spies. Which also brings up a big point. Also, where did these spies come from? I mean, or where are they? Are they deeply well, embedded in the rebels or how or why? I mean, it's never really you, you addressed. You would assume it's one of those things that are deeply embedded, but it could be another side story down the road. Yeah. So, and I, I don't know. I was just wondering where these spies are because, you know, it's been a big thing with Callus being a spy. So mm. where's the Yeah, you have really the opposite side of that. Right. So much. Right. I wonder if they'll get into that next season because they didn't really answer it, obviously. Uh, I mean, it kind of depends on where they want to go with next season. Mm-hmm. Depending on like, do you go more with the Sabine storyline or continue more with uh, an issue with Thrawn, or whether you go in a completely different direction? Or yeah, well, we know they're probably heading back to Mandalore or to that Civil War. At least going to touch on it again. But yeah, um, yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting. I would like them to kind of explore that that plot. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. It was a minor detail in this episode, but I was like, mm-hmm. oh, but yeah, it's cool. one of those small things that it could be, you know, its own episode in time. Yeah. And also, you know, since Tarkin gave Thrawn the order to capture him live, does that mean that Tarkin outranks Thrawn? Because that, to this point, I've always kind of viewed them as equals, almost. Yeah, in this know? episode, it does really seem like he is taking his orders from Tarkin yeah. to a certain extent. Almost. So, yeah, it could be that, you know, Tarkin is kind of a place above him. Because, I mean, if you go back to Rogue One, Tarkin is above the um, other dude who's in white. And Krennic, yeah. Yeah, Krennic. Yeah. yeah. He's above Krennic as well, so I would assume that his position is slightly higher. In fact, it's almost like a power struggle. He, here, it just seems like it's established that yeah. he is a Grand Moff and that he... Then again, he does hold Vader's leash in the first Star Wars, mm. A New Hope, so yeah, I guess that makes sense. I don't yeah. know. I mean, he's pretty much running the military side of it to a certain extent. A little bit, yeah. I, it, it just seems like... I was just kind of taken back by that because I always... Up to this point, it's it, like I said, it seems like they were always on equal footing, it seemed mm. like to me. Ooh. Tarkin and uh, Thrawn. Oh, okay. But, yeah, not that, you know, I always thought that Grand Admiral and, you know, Grand Moff, even though they're different is branches that, of the military. Is that because you read them in the books? Well, just from the books, well, not even so much from the books, because they never, Because in the, the books, series, they never really interacted. Well, they, they, they did at twice. the beginning of yeah. the season. At the beginning of the season, it seemed like they were kind of... Well, they were in, communicating with each other. And they had a meeting a together, yeah. and he didn't, he didn't really see more the target giving orders. Else, yeah, it's true. That's very true. I just... This is the first time you see Tarkin kind of give him a direct order, yeah. literally. And he's even... Even he balks out. He's like, well, that's going to be difficult. And he's like, well, yeah. that shouldn't be a problem for a man of your talents. You know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. It's one of those snide... Yeah, very much so. 
the Empire. So, I don't know, maybe it's just Tarkin's way of establishing his dominance. I, I don't know. It was just... Well, I, I mean, found it, it definitely does see in that way, and it does kind of seem like Thrawn doesn't really give it much mind. He's just like, yeah, that's where we stand right now, and that's for right now. Yeah, so, he still stays cool, calm, and calculated. Yeah. Yeah, which is what Thrawn Then, does. I mean, it's... Thrawn clearly does have his own agenda, and if, you know, working within the Empire, you know, at the moment, just... You know, it's good for that, then so be it, you know. Right. He's at least more calm than Krennic was or a lot of the other people. Oh, yeah, because where Krennic was like, it was always about, there was that big power struggle about controlling the Death Star. Mm. And here, it's, he's like, okay, fine. Because yeah. even later in the episode, they go, I think Callus uh, 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 makes fun of him for going for the glory. And he goes, I don't need no glory. I only do it for my emperor. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting of, remark, actually. Yeah, it's kind of a tit and tack kind of thing mm. um all right so um thrawn obviously uses that secret meaning he baits callus and then when callus goes to transmit his uh his uh fulcrum message to the rebels to warn him which apparently he's been doing this whole time in uh i guess all the way back to season one which was ezra's home which was in a communication tower mm. is where he was doing it from and he was using ezra's old communication equipment that his parents had been using back in the day yeah and that's how he's been setting so we figured that out so mm. they let us know that's but he uses that and in typical thrawn fashion he's he's constantly using callus through this entire scene mm. because he stops them from transmitting they fight and yeah, then actually he was Actually, a pretty decent fight scene overall. Like, it's not yeah. like a grand lightsaber duel or anything, but it's kind of the closest you see to like kind of martial arts, like in the episode. And kind oh of, yeah, you really don't even see that a lot in, throughout the rest of the season. So, well, you see, Thrawn. I mean, Thrawn's even mocking him the whole time. He's like, "Well, you're 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 good, but you're limited by you're only having your imperial." Mm. training like Thrawn's a master of many different arts or whatever yeah. he goes back to the episode of him fighting the droid things sure but the thing is the whole time is he, he starts off by jamming his transmission and they go through the fight he stops the, the jamming and lets his partial message go through which is what Thrawn wanted the whole time anyway because he was going to use use that to figure out where the planet was so he's using him the whole time he's just yeah. playing with him through that yeah. whole fight scene I mean, in like Cal's defense, he did seem like he got that one sweep in. So, yeah. I mean, that is, you know, plus for him. But, right, but more was, or less, yeah, it is Thrawn's kind of victory in every other regard. And it just made me wonder, though, if Thrawn let him do that because Thrawn wanted to know where the planet was and he knew what he was doing because he, he had the two death troopers outside the door the whole time. Mm. So he was so just. So he let it get smashed intentionally yeah, so it would go through. Right. He's just, he's playing with Callus the entire time from mm. the minute he enters that room. I would assume he could just have turned it off, though. Just he could have, but he, he wants to. He wants to show his dominance and show he's superior. Superior over, you know, he does I, have that superiority. I complex. mean, yeah, but I don't know if like getting your legs swept out from underneath shows your superiority. No, but I mean, I'm just saying he he did it. I don't think he lost the fight intentionally. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so, fair enough. I could be wrong, <clears throat> but um, so yeah, so it's just it was just a good example, of Thrawn. Strategy. We're finally seeing this episode, this entire two-part episode, is all, we finally get to see Thrawn pay off. Yeah, it's kind know? of the only time you really do throughout the entire season, though, which is kind of disappointing a little at the same time. I don't know, like, for the episode, it plays out really well, but you mm-hmm. really kind of would wish there was a little bit of a... A little bit more of this. Up. Yeah. Or a little see him take down somebody else or something yeah, like, like this. Yeah, like some use of him before this episode. Yeah. 
because you really don't get to see him in his glory like you do throughout this episode. What do you think, Brian? No, I'm in the same boat. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's move on to the uh, chopper base scene, which is kind of like Ezra going, look at what we've done, look at what we've built. Mm. You know, and, it's a nice little family moment. Yeah, he's kind of like, look at what Hera's done, look at what we and Kane's like, look what you've done, mm. you know, look how far you've come, and look at, you know, it's kind of a nice little... Kumbaya moment, you know. Yeah, the calm before the storm of the episode. Yeah, Harris saw something in you. I guess I did too. But the big thing I took away from that whole thing between him and and Kane and that whole conversation is, is Kane goes, I'm not sure there's much else I can teach you. Mm. Um, Which to me was like, okay. So, I I mean, that's something you've seen him struggle with throughout, actually, pretty much even to the second season. Oh, yeah, but... This is like Kanan finally admitting, I'm not sure there's anything else I can teach you. So, number one, at that very moment when I'm watching the episode, I'm like, crap, they're going to kill him off. <laughs> You're thinking it's like a death lag sort of thing? Yeah, it was kind of like, okay, they're saying goodbye in a way, you know, yeah. without knowing they're saying goodbye to each other. Uh, maybe yeah. they're saving that for next season. We'll see. Maybe, but I don't know. What do you think, Brian? Well, I mean, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't take it that away from that at all. Okay. Um, I think it was more of a... When he said that, because it was more, even Ezra said, you know, well, no, there's still stuff I can learn from you for life. Right, how to be so, a good person. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was just kind of like, oh, crap. I was like, yeah, here it comes. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, obviously it didn't happen, thank God. But um, nevertheless. Uh, so, yeah, but the other question that this whole conversation brought to, to me was, does this make Ezra a Jedi Knight? What do you guys think? Not in the technical terms, just because that's not even really where Kanan's at. So, well, Kanan did get uh, in the the uh, that whole Jedi Temple scene from last season. He does technically get knighted by the old former Inquisitor, who could have been. Are we counting y- that? I would. I mean, he he literally gets knighted right then and there. So yeah. technically, he's a Jedi Knight. I mean, maybe, that- but at the same time. You- you know, even Kane admits like his own training was limited, so what he can pass on is also kind of limited. Okay, so maybe he's a just barely a Jedi Knight, but he's still a Jedi Knight. And if he's already done teaching Ezra, but but he also didn't knight him though. What's that? He didn't knight Ezra. No, he didn't knight Ezra. But it just makes me wonder. Where do you guys? I mean, just just thinking about it for a minute. Personally, I mean, you can make the urban he's on that level in terms of technique and power, power. and ability and such, but I don't think that would like officially put it through the title. But at this point, the Jedi title system really is, isn't really in play anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the order's pretty much dead. That's yeah. true at this point, but I don't know. I just thought it'd be, it was an interesting question to, oh, that, to, to, to ponder for a minute, just because he's like, well, I'm pretty much done teaching you well, how to I mean, be a Jedi. Even I, into the beginning of the season, he's we kind of knew he was more or less kind of on par with Kane in terms of power and technique, so... Oh, yeah. I mean, especially when you include the, you know, bits he's picked up from the Sith holocron earlier on, and, you know, to what extent he was able to kind of adapt that to a, you know, you know, more pure, light-sided, you know, technique. Right. So... To his skill set, anyway. Well, we've, he's, he's always been kind of like Luke. He's got... He learns a lot pretty quick. I mean, as yeah. far as other Jedi... Well, I mean... You can make the argument he actually learns at a little slower pace than you see with Luke in the original film set, but that's because this is arguably going through like a couple of years in like the mm-hmm. first three seasons, like rather than just the one or like just the weekend course Luke gets. Well, yeah, exactly. But you know, Luke is the 
the son of the chosen one, but yeah. still, yeah. But uh, you could also point, make the argument. Fair point, though. Yeah. One of the reasons the Jedi trained kids at a young age was more to do with the like mental and emotional oh, yeah. aspects, and not necessarily how long it takes to pick up on the techniques. Oh sure, I mean Yoda's even afraid to train Luke. He's like, at first, he's like, yeah, you know, you're too old to begin the training mm. for that very reason. But yeah, like it clearly is more of an emotional, mental component than mm. it is any of the other like techniques or anything like that. Yeah, in terms of like the age restrictions that Jedi had. In fact, I would say that's probably maybe the only thing holding Ezra back from Jedi. Not to go back to the whole Jedi Knight thing, but holding him back from being a Jedi. Like he, One of the emotional attachments. He has the power, he has the skills, but he doesn't. Maybe lacks the emotional maturity. Mm. To, to handle it. Yeah, there's an argument for that. Yeah. So, there we go. All right, so the other uh, big thing to come out of that Chopper Bay scene was is the finally the arrival of General Dodonna's fleet. Um, if that name sounds familiar, and even Ezra says that name sounds familiar. Yeah, they, it's fun they actually had that little, little reminder built into the episode. Right, that uh, the Y-Wings they stole uh, went to this to his fleet. Uh, General Dodonna was originally um, in the Galactic Republic during the Clone Wars. Um, he um, <clears throat> then became commanding of the Mas- uh, uh, I'm, people. Star Wars fans are going to kill me for this because I'm horrible at pronouncing some of this stuff. Masazi group. Uh, Masazi is also the name of the temples on Yavin Four, mm. that uh, which is uh, the main rebel base. Um, so, yeah, he's basically in control of one of the larger cells at this point in yeah. the Rebellion. The funny thing about that like, is they kind of have that little bit of hype, but then you don't see that really pay off in the next episode or so. Like, you don't really see him playing a huge role, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Like, not, don't get me wrong, he is there, he is present, he is playing a role. It's just, it's not what you would expect it up with that little reminder and hype up about how it's like the largest cell sort of thing. Yeah, he, he doesn't really get a chance to show his general skills here at all. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's even the general that leads, the, you know, the attack basically on the Death Star when mm. it approaches Yavin 4. He's kind of the, the mastermind behind, uh, once they find the weakness in the Death Star mm. anyway, he's the one that leads it Yeah, um, from Yavin, but still the general against it um but yeah you don't really get a chance to see that you're right yeah it's, it's just an interesting component you think you would have utilized that character a little different like yeah. you really only have like one scene where he's like maybe you know issuing like a recommendation at best if that and, and really all he really does is 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 sound the retreat really and, and i agree with you yeah he's kind of under underused mm. that's a good point Aaron. yeah i would like to have seen him kind of take Especially as I mean, especially well, because we had a very long kind of played out battle scene in terms of actual, mm-hmm. you know, in the sky sort of yeah. dogfight thing. Well, I thought it was kind of interesting. They made such a big point that say numerous times about him being there. Yeah, and we never really saw him so, do anything. Maybe he'll pay off next season because unfortunately we lost a, a big commander. Uh, for the rebels, mm. here. we'll get to that here in a little bit. But the other big thing, in part about his fleet is, and you guys probably recognize the ship as well, is maybe not the name, but at least what it looks like. Uh, that would be that uh, official name is EF seventy six Nebulon Nebulon uh, B uh, Escort uh, frigate. The first time we saw this was in um, Hoth. It was the medical frigate. Mm. It was a uh, the Battle of Hoth that was there was also there. Really, at the end of Empire Strikes Back, when mm. uh, first hand, well, for his hand, hand yeah. yeah, he's on one of these these kinds of ships. Um, we also see this particular same kind of ship in Rogue One. That's where uh, the uh, general, uh, oh, what's the the new the new uh, not Akbar, but um, 
can't remember his name in Rogue One now. It's gonna... I don't know that. Anyway, uh, his he also had one of these ships, so or something similar. So, uh, so yeah, so it was kind of cool to see those, even though they kind of just get beat up by the Empire in this. this yeah, it's still kind of iconic the, uh, to see. For eight, though, don't we? Uh, we see something similar. They're okay. shorter, and we'll get yeah. The trailer for uh, the Last Jedi just showed up, and yeah, and then that trailer it looks like a more modern, shorter version of the okay. ship. I, I would agree with that. More compact. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's a good point here. Um, all right, so let's move on to I guess I guess the attack on Chopper Base. I'm kind of broke down into three phases. So um, that's fine. Phase one, and this would be just the uh, initial attack. Um, Basically, the rebels receive Callus's short message, and they figure out that Thrawn knows where the base is. And as yeah, soon as it was a very quick response, yeah. they're like, oh, "Okay, he knows what? Oh, yeah, he definitely knows we're here. Yeah. Let's uh, let's mobilize." What's that? The rebel fleet's disappeared from uh, Lothal. Uh, oh shit. Um, mm. Okay. And then you have the transmissions breaking up, so they're clearly yeah, know there's been jam jamming. So yeah, it's pretty quick, and then. Right then, you know, they go right to Sato, and uh, obviously they're, you know, like all these starships, Mm. you know, come out of hyperspace. So, um, I really like this battle. I like how it was animated. You know, Mm. I've always been a little critical of how they they animate the space battles. I've always thought it was a little slow. Definitely not the case in this episode. I thought it was pretty face-back. Like, there's a couple scenes here where you actually see Ezra who's trying to, like, actually escape out of the battle. Right. And you see, like, just from his point of view, just right. twisting and turning and, like, seeing things explode up. And it really has that kind of in-the-middle-of-it-all sort of feel to it, I think. Yeah. We haven't really seen in a lot of these battles. Not really. What do you think, Brian? What you think yeah, about the animation? Yeah, there's a lot of first-person stuff. Yeah. As opposed to just, like, the old cartoon style that where you see like in the distance yeah where you see the battles in the distance just felt more, more personal more mm, more up mm. close yeah. yeah and really having that transition between the two i think really made it where you can kind of understand what's going on but you have that sense of urgency and that sense of you know everything's going to hell around you sort of thing yep so uh so yeah so the empire shows up and then one of those uh Nebulon bees try to escape, and then all of a sudden they're pulled out of hyperspace. And well, not only are they pulled out, but you almost see them kind of bouncing back a little bit, just really slowly. Yeah, they're kind of left adrift almost, mm. and caught off guard, and right in front of the the Empire. Yeah, right in front of the star destroyers, and then they yeah, just open an up on it. Thing, it's it's kind of interesting that we don't actually see the gravity wells more used more often because yeah. it seems like unless it's like a really high energy sort of thing, like. That's more or less something you'd want on, like, any major destroyer to prevent things from escaping. Well, in typical Thrawn fashion, everything he uses is the latest tech. So mm-hmm. I think these are still prototypes, number one. Okay. And because we don't see them going forward, I don't think there is many of them. I think we've we've seen one destroyed in an earlier episode, mm-hmm. and I think these might be the only other two out well, there. Well, I mean, it, it seems like it's a very functional tool to have. For, oh, sure. Because, I mean, essentially, if you're at war and... With like a smaller unit, and they can just jump to hyperspace, and then you're you just lost them. Right. The ability to prevent them from doing that seems pretty critical. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of cool that they keep using this too, because this actually came out of a video game, from mm-hmm. what I remember. Uh, Star Wars, you know, one of the countless Star Wars video games in the '90s. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's where this came from, and um, so it, it's pretty cool to see. Number mm-hmm. one, and and yeah, I agree with you. It would be if I was the Empire, I'd produce a lot too. But this well, might not just that, but like. If you look at the, um, 
I don't remember the name of the ships they actually have that have the gravity wells on them. There's a interjector. Yeah. yeah. But like it seems like you could they're actually not particularly big ships. Like you could have like one of those mounted to any star destroyer you wanted or at least have the equipment on it. Yeah, you could. I guess you could integrate it into one of the larger ships. Yeah, at it some seems point. like they'd be more functional. At some ways. point, yeah. And I they, mean, because they only had like two just kind of manning in the background, but mm-hmm. you kind of clearly see where the flaw is at by the time you get the next episode. Yeah. The only thing I'll take away about having those things where they're at is I always, I kind of, and I, I, I get it, and I know it's just a plot point, but I was like, why don't they just go the other way or go up yeah. or go down right? or go. Yeah. I, I said, I'm like, why, why do they have to go right through yeah. where they are? Why, yeah. why couldn't they go to the other side of the planet and take off? Yeah. And I, I know it's just a cartoon. It, yeah. It's, it's like, a plot point, but still, well, there actually could be an argument that if it's the ship itself, the gravity will is actually creating a space where it doesn't allow you to escape hyperloop. You'd actually have to run so far to where you're actually out of the range of it. Before you could actually use but it, it's still you think you go on the far side oh, of yeah. the planet like or something, you know, like hyperspace <laughs> towards them. Like yeah. running away from them, you have the risk of getting shot, but you have that same problem when you're retreating back to the planet. Right, right. So yeah, like you really could have just made a left turn because you have all of the dimensions of space. Yeah, could have just gone in a different direction. Right, I, and there's probably a range for that ship because you're preventing something from escaping. You know. It, to uh, hyperspace, there has to be a power limit to that. I'm sure a range there, limit. I would think there is. It, it it was just one of the. I had to bring it up because I I couldn't. Oh yeah, it's definitely it. a plot. Yeah, point. Yeah. Or it's one of those little things you just kind of jump over and, and, until they explain the concept of it. And I'm being super picky, but yeah. So um, it's still a cool concept. It is. It is. Um, so yeah. Um, so they get back to the planet and they kind of come up with a strategy and. Uh, <laughs> Or we they go back we go back to the planet and Hera's like yep um, Ezra Kanan uh, we need you to escape and get help mm. we'll find a way to break the blockade and let you get out and then Kanan's like well I gotta go tell a friend yeah <laughs> AKA the Bendu and um, yeah Ezra you're on your own good luck kid I thought that was just kind of like okay and I was just like well, may the force kind of, be with me yeah it's it's a funny line and it's delivered that way but it kind of plays up to the earlier kind of know i you know i've more or less taught you everything i kind of knew in terms of like techniques and stuff so yeah kind of, it's a bit of a playback to that it's I, like we're trusting you with this part of it i mean i guess it could be like that uh what do you call it those moments um uh, kind of a passing the baton passing the baton or a uh yeah a rite of passage is what i was trying mm-hmm. to think of but i don't know what you think brian yeah i mean i it was kind of it was kind of weird there was it's like um well, well, it made sense, I guess, because you're you're splitting them up. Yeah, because uh, you don't want them both going, and then the ship get blown up, and then both Jedi are gone at the same time. Right. But it, at the same time, it was like you don't. It wasn't even like a. I need Ezra and somebody else to go. It was just Ezra. I was like, yeah, that's kind of. And it was just kind of left there, and they were like, everybody was fine with it, which yeah. it is kind of a rite of passage moment, but still, it was kind of like, all right, it's up to you, kid. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, I mean, essentially, like, it did, adding someone else to a ship didn't really help them any, unless you assume, like, they were a better pilot or something, so it's fine. I guess I just expect the Kanan to give him, like, may the least give him the may the force be with you line or something like that. And it's just like, yeah, best of luck, kid. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was a little out of place. I don't know. No, no, I thought it was kind of in character for him. It's it's not one to you know be too ritualistic or like you know be too 
yeah. basic in the system sort of thing. But it was funny because Ezra had to wish himself, may the force be with me. Yeah, and he's just <laughs> kind yeah, of, uh, well, I guess, uh, I guess I'll do all right. I guess, so I guess, uh, yeah, may the force be with me then. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> a know. funny little moment for yeah. a more dramatic episode. It was. It was. Um, so Kanan goes off to warn the Bendu and seek his help. Um, but pretty much, I mean, while the rebels are, when we get back to space, they're taking some pretty heavy damage. Yeah. I mean, the yeah, Thrawn strategy ships going down and yeah, I mean, uh, Thrawn has a cl- ironclad, you know, strategy against him. And, and if not for, uh, commander Sato's sacrifice and, and Constantine, you know, incompetence. incompetence. It they probably. I have a, I have a weird question it. on that though. Yeah. Isn't it a little messed up? You had the Asian dude go full kamikaze. Yeah, I thought first. Yeah, that went through my mind. I was like, yeah. like just a little bit fucked up. I won't say fucked up. I mean, it's not quite PC, but it was. It was fitting to give him the hero, yeah. you know, kind of. Like don't wrong. Like it plays out in the scene. Well, it's just like it's one of those things. Like really, that's that's where we're going with this. All right. I don't know. What do you think, Brian? Do you think it's a racist thing? Or do you think it was more just... No, just I just think it was the way that yeah. he was very selfless and, yeah. you know, for the greater good and kind of thing. Right. I didn't think it was not PC at all. Yeah. I thought it was a good scene. I liked how, you know, he saw all the he saw the ships exploding around him. He saw mm. everybody getting cut down, essentially, and mm. took it upon himself. Yeah. So. I mean, at the very least, he, you know, offered to evacuate his crew before, you know, yeah, he ran was, everyone into it. He had two guys that stood by him, you know, very mm. noble. So he got that noble heroic. Well, I mean, that's also him. around the same time that you have uh, Ezra pretty much complaining. He's like, hey, I can't find an opening to escape here. The only thing I didn't like about the scene, it was cool the way Sato went out. I just wish he had been on a different ship. Why? Because they got rid of that damn cool ass carrier. Uh, yeah, it's gone. I mean, it's a good way to explain why it's not in future movies, but still, would like to have kept it through season four. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's I don't know. If you don't know where season four is going, man. Yeah, I know. What I know, Brian. I know. It was yeah, that was a favorite one, ship of yeah, yours. That was like one of the newest, the new cool ships that we got to see. Yeah, and it was like, ah, <laughs> son of a disappointing bitch. moment. Very, very. All right, so let me catch up here on my notes. I apologize. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so Constantine's pride. Do you think it was Constantine's pride against oh. Thrawn? Or... Well, it's Constantine's pride and just general stupidity. Yeah. Realistically, like, he's like, no, I don't want Thrawn to outrank me. And, like, I want the glory of the kill. And it's like... Right, I will not Dude, be like, denied. You're playing a role in the battle strategy. You're you're fine. You don't have to be like, look, I took down this number of ships. I took like, out the flagship, yeah, or the yeah, big like, ship. You don't, like, no one's going to care. Like you went, you're part of an army that won that war. You're good. I don't know when I play battleship. If I sunk the carrier, I always felt the best. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's it's also kind of like a trust issue kind of thing with. You know, oh yeah, like he does not trust Thrawn. Right, and Thrawn's even though. We we know Thrawn is very calculated and everything has a, you know its purpose. purpose. Yeah, he doesn't see it that way, and he's like, "That's so stupid. Why would we not?" Right. You yeah. know. Well, I mean, that also goes to his thing. He's like, "We have a giant force. We crush them with giant force." End of story. Yep. So is that a byproduct? You think of maybe Thrawn constantly looking down upon him? Maybe 
and maybe I mean, sowed the can, seeds for it way back, you know, because he's been pretty much can make the argument for it, the I crap suppose, out of him. But it also is just an argument to Constantine's nature as well. Yeah, so. right. So maybe twofold then. Yeah, could be because I mean he does ruin up to that point. It's Thrawn basically has that unbreakable strategy, like I was talking about up to yeah, that. Yeah, I mean pretty much it's because of that that you're able, even when um, Sabine intersects sets later on, that you are able to take out that one. One key component. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise you would have been able to have two and you would have had a backup. Yeah, because, you know, they say Thrawn doesn't... Thrawn even says, I don't do it for the glory. But in a way, Thrawn does kind of have an ego. And we'll touch on that no, here. He has an bit. ego, but that's like an ego in terms of his intelligence more so than like anything people say about him. Mm-hmm. Like Thrawn does not give off the impression he really cares what other people think about him. I don't think it's so much that. I just think it's his own pride in wanting to finish the the deal mm-hmm. himself, which is kind of a flaw, really, because if he stays on the I Star mean, you can argue that's an issue for when he went down to actual the mm-hmm. planet itself. Yeah. Like, there was, wasn't was really a need for him to intercept, right. like, personally. Right. That's what I mean. I think there's a little bit of a pride there that, yeah. that uh, you know, he likes that uh, that whole art of war well, that, sort of thing. He seems like the sort of person that wants to, like, look his enemies in the eye. But yeah, exactly. Like, he likes kind of toying with them. He kind of likes seeing their response. He likes analyzing in person. Yes, exactly. And, and I you think could that's say that's part partially of the ego. That's partially him continuing to learn about his enemies. Yeah, I, and I, it's, I think that's partially makes him OCD. Yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it really is. It's it's the one flaw he has. Really, I think it could be exploited even more in season four. I don't know. Maybe. Um, all right. So let's talk about the meeting with the Bendu. <laughs> Uh, basically, Caden shows up, tries to warn the Bendu, tries to get him involved. The Bendu's pretty pissed off yeah, right from the, the get-go. Yeah, is like, look what you brought here. F off. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah. It's kind of a, you brought war to this planet, and I'm not getting involved. I'm yeah. the one in the middle. <laughs> yeah, and he also says, like, there's a reason people don't find this place that often. Right. Like, I've gone out of my way to be as neutral as possible, and you're kind of ruining this for me. Yeah. He's pretty pissed off at this point. And then Kanan just basically just kind of, he throws back the in the middle thing. He goes, yeah, I know. You're the one in the middle. I get it. He's like, I used to be like you. I used to be a coward. He's like, don't you call me a coward? Yeah, it kind of sets him off. But Um, it's actually interesting because you see like the Benjigo full just storm. Yeah. Which is weird. Well, I wasn't expecting that of the character. I thought it was kind of a cool use of a dark side power because if he's the one, he can use the dark and the light, and yeah. you know the dark side can use force lightning. No, no, but like this is not a force lightning. This is a force, force lightning storm. storm. Yeah, like force storm. Like yeah. it's just one of those things. Like he probably had the power to more or less destroy that planet if he wants to <laughs> at that point. If he wanted, if he really wanted to unleash, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Brian? What do you think of the force storm? Uh, the force storm. I didn't. I didn't quite. I didn't like it. Not not as much as I thought I would have. Yeah. Um, looking back on the whole storyline after watching both episodes, you know, the Four Storm is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but it's not something that we ever see again. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. We won't ever see it again. And it was just one of those, like, I mean, later on we, we find, you know, when Thrawn's like, oh, shoot for the Dark Center. Like, like really? So basically he's just... Uh, a giant dust ball with, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, oh, shoot for the center. Like, why would it be the center? Why would it? 
Because he sees his eyes, but yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just one of the... It's just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like he had a physical form within the cloud. Yeah, thing was kind of weird. Yeah, You so. would prefer him to actually become the storm instead of just... Yeah, like, the like the whole... kind of what you assume at first. Like I, that's, why, that's what I thought. I thought he was the entire storm. I'm like, oh, that's, this is interesting. Yeah. And then later on, it's like, oh, he's not really the storm. He's just in... He's the he's eye the of the storm. He's the center of the He's the eye of the storm. Right. But then he's also later on just... Like, shot just passed through him, and he's just non-physical again. Yes. Like, so he, like, jumps in between being physical and non-physical. Yeah, it was it was just... I didn't I didn't care for it all that much. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I did like the line that he used right before he became the, the whole Force Storm, or whatever we want to call it. He says, perhaps it's the will of the Force that the Jedi and all your kind perish, and I serve the will of the Force. Hmm. Oh, he's kind of justifying to himself. Okay, well, I'll just kill everybody. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, that still stay in the middle. I'll still stay neutral. Well, yeah, I mean, he has, he has been kind of a force entity the whole time. Like he presents himself as being kind of the neutral in between, like the dark mm-hmm. and light side, and yeah, he views himself in that regard. So it's not that weird. He's just like, fine. You want me to take part in this? I'm destroying everything. Yeah, I'm just gonna wipe everybody out. So I thought that was kind of an interesting take from his perspective. Yeah, I mean, he's like, it's like, right, it's transparent, I am neutral, I'm destroying everything that's here. Yeah, goodbye, good luck. Yeah. All right, so let's talk a minute. Even though he does kind of almost try to hunt Kanan down later for pissing him off. Well, yeah, he attacks everybody. I mean, he really does, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But um, Ezra's call to Mon Mothma. This scene just pissed me off. Um, it didn't seem the most necessary scene. If there's one thing I so far about Disney taking over and expanding the Star Wars lore, it's learning about, especially through Rogue One, we see it in Rogue One, is the political side of the Rebellion. You have that in the prequels, too, though. Like, not in well, the Rebellion, but you Not have for the Rebellion, the, but... You do have that being a larger component of the Star Wars story. I just don't like the idea that they're so wishy-washy at the beginning. I mean, I get it. I know they're fearful and they don't want to be well, wiped down. They don't want to have stuff. in timing and tactics than you do in goals. But I mean, in Rogue One, the, the council doesn't want to commit all their forces either. And mm. it's the same thing here. They're afraid they're going to be wiped out by Thrawn. Mm. Um, it, it's, I don't like that. Um, I don't even want to know that about them. In my mind, I always saw the rebels as striving and fighting for everything well, they had. Yeah, but actually, I think this is kind of a better thing like he doesn't show the rebels as being complete zealots they are aware of the situation they are aware of the consequences they are trying to maneuver in a way I, that benefits the most i get that it's just like I, you don't oh. want them going full you know just like after the empire sort of thing i i get that but it, at the same time i i i don't mind the political side about you know about especially after the they defeat the empire and they want to rebuild the the republic that's mm. fine but if you're in a war, fight the damn war. Don't don't sit around and yeah. argue with each other. It, do, it, it does seem it does seem kind of like like they want they want they want to get rid of the empire, but but they don't want to commit. Yes, there's no there's no committing. There's no yes. We're gonna go one on one with the empire. Yeah. It's more of a we still want to do stuff behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but put up the front that we're with the empire mm-hmm. kind of thing. Or it's, yeah, it has that feeling like uh, you can fight with this hand, but we're gonna keep this hand out of it. We're gonna handcuff you here, you know, and we're gonna At limit the same you time, here. Though it really, it shows that they're not a complete unified front. They are not true. a government. True, that's they true. They are a coalition of forces. Yes. 
So you are going to have internal squabbles and arguing, and that is to be expected. Yeah, it's and you also have are going to have disagreements about whether you want to be more stealthy or more militaristic. True, and that is something we've seen even being an issue in Rebels itself. And I and I, I get it. It's just I don't like it. I really, really, I didn't like it. I hated it in Rogue One, and I hate it here. I, I ah, I just it bugs me. Uh, it's, it's fine. For it's what it is. yeah. It's just I, I guess wrong, it's my like, own personal point of view. You, but, I didn't grow up necessarily watching the original films from the get-go, so maybe that's why I'm actually thinking that's a fine component to add to it. Yeah. Whereas that might be like, no, the Rebels were strong and steadfast sort of thing. I just always saw them as scrappy. I always saw them as fighting for everything they had. Like, they were in a constant struggle with the Empire. Hmm. Well, yeah, I, I, I always saw them as, like, once you're with the Rebels, yeah, like, you're with the Rebels. Like, you are against the Empire and you're a full force against them. Right. And this is more like a... I'm with the rebels, but I'm going to stay over here just in case something happens to that group of rebels that I can say, oh, no, I was never with them. Or It was like an escape plan for them. Or I, I'm going to hold a, a council meeting and I'm going to have a filibuster on whether or not. And I really, didn't, I really didn't like the fact that it was Mon Mothra that yeah. was the one that said that. Like I really yeah. thought like she was part of the one that brought them all together. Right. And here it's like, uh, I can't get involved. a moment of doubt. I don't know if that's enough to well, really be a giant issue in the, or flaw in the character. And then she threw she threw Organa at him. She's like, oh, so I don't know, Organa was right. It was too early to start the attacks, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, give me a break, man. I, I, I don't know. I just don't like it. I really don't like that side of the Rebels. I, right. It's just my, my point of view. And it's probably, again, it's probably, like you said, Aaron, it's how I grew up thinking of what the Rebel Rebellion was. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's going to be an issue going forward, I think, because you do definitely see an expanding of the series, and as you expand the universe, you're going to have little details thrown in here and there, and some of them kind of twist how you view the original material. I sure. mean, that's to be expected to a certain extent. Oh, yeah. I know. Like, I mean, that's kind of the reason some people have an issue with the prequels, why some people have issues with some of the comics or the extended sure. universe stuff, or well, any number of things. I think I'm going to have an issue if they go gray, total gray Jedi on us and last Jedi. I think I'll have issues with that too, but we'll see. Hopefully not. All right. Um, so let's uh, move on to phase two, the ground attack. Um, Thrawn's force. He basically forces the rebel fleet to ground, mm. that, which I think is kind of strange, but I guess it makes military sense. Well, they're going to at least take refuge. Yeah. If you're yeah. wanting to like take some people alive, it makes sense. They're going to take refuge until they hope, oh, hope, help arrives mm. to bail them out. Well, because they already forced them back down to the planet. Mm. Right. And so now they're like, well, now they know they can't escape. Well, not only now that, we'll go and we'll just kind of like crush them as we go. They a giant barrage to like weaken their shield and yeah. make sure that any weapons that are outside the shield got kind of knocked down. So Right. And, and it, it's, I actually really like the scene where they're attacking the shield because you have that moment where you see Hera just looking up at the sky and be like, well, this is going to be it. Yeah. Like, it, like this is the end. And then yeah. like, he's, like, he's like, all right, they've had enough. And it cuts off, and they're like... Yeah, like, it really is that moment. Like, ooh, what, thing, it stopped? Like, All right, we did it, yeah! <laughs> yeah. Like, it's funny, False you see that with, like, Zeb and, like, um... Rex. Real, Rex being really excited about that, but you see that moment of Harris' face where she's like, oh, shit, I'm dead, this is the end. And it's like, there is a moment where Thrawn really does just break her spirit, like, in terms of, like, momentum going forward. Oh, like, yeah. She recovers, but you have that. Yep. Not only is it a it's a moralizing thing, and I think that was part of it, 
But again, I think this goes back to Thrawn's pride. He wants to be the one to force them to surrender, to mm. take the, the victory well, that, for himself. I mean, he was asked to take them alive if possible. Well, that's true. He was. but So he is trying to deal with his orders. Even when he does right. go to the ground, he's yeah, like, that's a fair point. take the leaders alive if you can. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny how he words it. He's like, he doesn't, it's not, take them alive. It's like, if possible, take yeah, them alive. If you can. Like, it's not a high priority, but if you can do it. Yeah, that's true. I, I didn't really think about that. I did look at. I kind of looked at it though from Thrawn's point of view that he'd want to see Hera broken. That he want to. See oh, the I'm sure there's broken. that component too. But it's also you one know? of those things like he is trying to be loyal to his orders, and his orders were to that's take true. Some people that, alive. You got a good point there. That that could be the counterpoint because up to that point, I was going to say, well, yeah, he could have just kept firing and oh yeah, taking them just out. Kept firing, he would have been. They would have been all dead. Yeah. There would have been no survivors. Yeah, so that's a good point, Aaron. I didn't think about that at the time, so yeah. But yeah, um, okay, so um, they kind of figure out somewhat of a plan for the ground invasion. They know they're coming. Mm. Uh, Zeb and Rex, they set up those mines. And yeah, they have a rough idea of where they're going to enter from. They find a, yeah. <laughs> and that's another thing. Again, it goes back to the whole, why not just go to the other side of the planet yeah. to escape? Yeah. Uh, why do they have to come down one little area there when a whole planet and you got yeah it's more or less a flat surface yeah and Canaan going one direction yeah. and everything else why all of a sudden is it only narrow in this one little valley that they mm. have to come through kind of thing even though any other time you've seen that base just open plains yes yeah. yeah yeah I don't, know. I don't know. Maybe it's with the walkers themselves. They can't go over certain sand things. Like maybe it's an issue where they would sink in. Uh, so maybe it's just the terrain yeah Yeah, it could be where it's like actually hard enough for them to stand on but you got a point there brian i think it's again it's plot point Mm -hmm. yeah well i mean it's kind of like how you have a magic shield that we've never seen or heard about until this moment to help protect them from the well they to be fair they did pick up the core components for it from uh, geonosis Geonosis, so it's just one of those things like it it seemed a bit of a plot it is it is armor thing as well we're just being super picky but yeah um but yeah, they so they take out. I liked how Thrawn just sent in the smaller walkers, and they, you know, the to see where their defenses were. Yeah. And then once he it, did, it's a smart move. Like, yeah, they're going to have some defense prepared. Let's see what they got. Yeah, and then he sends in the big boys, obviously, and mm. they can't. Then we see Kanan come in and once again take out the legs. It takes one of the walkers down. All well, right, before this, he kind of gets shot in the. Like barrage that comes down too, and he gets off his bike. Right, he loses his bike, his speeder bike. Yeah, it's thing. once again you have another point where it's like, wow, even now you can still just chop off a walker's legs. Not only that, yeah, I was like, really? Yeah, I think he almost again? like takes two in one go, doesn't he? Yeah, he takes two out this time, and the like thing gets better at it. And I was just like, why can't Skywalker do this? <laughs> why didn't he go through Hoth and just cut off all the legs? He was not, in, you know. Luke's weekend training course. Uh, yeah, I, well, he didn't have the training course then, but why he, didn't he Kenobi needed, tell him he could do that? He needed the extended weekend. <sighs> he yeah. needed a bit more training. With yeah, him. I was just like, oh. I was like, they did it again. Anyway, it was still cool to see. But oh, it's always cool to see. You're just yeah, always watching. He was like, like well, how has that never happened up until this point? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. But enough about continuity. Um, let's move on to... Sabine's help, what I just like to call Sabine's help, or return to Cronest, whatever you want to call it. Um, so Ezra returns to Cronest, uh, seeks help from Sabine because he doesn't get it from from uh, the Mothma. rest of the rebels or Mon Mothma. Um, 
and we find out we find out a couple interesting facts of what's been happening there in the Mando world mm. is that they're in the middle of the Civil War. It is definitely going on. Yeah, it's and, weird you don't see any setup for that. It's just like no, we're in the middle of it now. Well, no, yeah, we're, we're in the middle of this war. Um, I landed just fine and saw no no yeah. war or anything going on. What's yeah, <laughs> giant civil war between an entire race of people that conquered thousands of planets. Don't worry about it. Well, not only that, I mean, they're intentionally vague, I think, because we're going to find out more next season. But still, it's we find out that the Empire is backing Clan Saxon, Saxon mm. Saxon's old clan, and that they're barely holding on to what they've got right now, mm. and because the Empire's part of it. Yeah, you have that thing where you know they don't have the time to sacrifice like their troops for like, helping right. out. And so, I mean, it it is interesting, though, that... that it's already started. I mean, I didn't even think the Civil War had started because it's been so such a short period of time it's for really us. It's hard to say how long it's been, though. Yeah, how much time has actually passed. I know. It, it just, but that they're that far into the war and that they're already, they have strategic, you know, they've got, oh, I almost said strategery. Um, <laughs> strategery. Strategery. Um, little GW there for you. Um, but yeah, uh, so, yeah, that they're, you know, they've already got their, their, their areas and they've mm. got their maps and they've got their ships in place and you, you kind of see that that whole hologram thing yeah. kicking so that uh, was just kind of an interesting well, it's interesting that they're already kind of backed into a corner even though you yeah know they would be a little bit still right have the empire's backing it's interesting how quickly that developed yeah how very quickly that happened so um but anyway so ezra says well i guess i'll go back alone and then that's when sabine steps up and says well i'm going with you and then mm. eventually gets her mom to like, hey, you can take a couple of ships, ships. And whoever volunteers, but don't don't enlist anyone. Yeah, yeah. that's the other thing. Is like whoever volunteers doesn't um, doesn't Sabine have the the sword? The, the, yeah, the dark yeah. saber. Yeah, yeah, it didn't play any role in this. Right, right. But what I'm saying is like anyone who has any kind of like um, I think she'd have more clout. Than yeah, she has. like yeah, like no. like any anybody with the previous. Um, you know, yeah. When Maul had it, he was more or less leader of the entire Instant, population. Instantly, right? Yeah. So yeah. when now that she has it, anybody who still believed that way would automatically go with her. You would think so, but in how they're setting this up, she's not the technical owner because she didn't take it from Maul, as well as the fact she's more or less trying to figure out who she's giving it to. I think it. Like it that's might, where they're going with the storyline of that. Yeah, and I think it also might be fair to point out that just how broken are the Mandalorian people now under that have been under the Empire for yeah. so long. I mean, I you have know. Mandalorians that are at the point of civil wars before they are summoned, warning united, if not still squabbling. Well, yeah. So I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm very interested to see. I'm hoping they go kind of deep into the whole Mando civil war because I think it's interesting and I like the well, Mando it's a, it's culture. A, it's a large thing you can bring up for next season if you want to yeah. go with that or have a spinoff or whatever. Yeah, I was. I'm really hoping for a spinoff, but we'll find out the the Rebels panel is today okay. as we record this. All right, so oh, okay. yeah, uh, so um, so yeah, so they get the uh, so Sabine begins her big plan against the interdictor, the one left, the one gravity well ship there. So, all right, so let's get on to phase three, uh, which is I'm just calling it the escape from Adalon. Um, Thrawn basically surrounds the rebels. Mm. I like how he demanded uh, Hera surrender, and if not, she said she, he'd kill all her friends one by one. Starting with the Jedi. Starting with the Jedi, which is canon. So you got to 
again, again, more strategy by Thrawn because obviously he knows that it's an emotional weak emotional weak point, weak yeah. point for. Um, but at the same time, it seems like an interesting choice in that you're choosing to attack the one person who can also reflect the bullets back at right. you. Right, it's twofold, right? Yeah. It's it's Hera's biggest emotional attachment, and it's also the guy that can cause you the most trouble. Yeah, when you're trying to take him down, other than maybe Zep. Mm. So, um, but again. Uh, more strategy. Thrawn is always strategy. It's always the next chess move, mm. right? So, um, but yeah. So, just when things look darkest, that's when the big storm of the Bendu shows up. Yeah, just and, slowly taking out random things until it's actually shooting, starting to try. Like, yeah, shooting uh, force lightning bolts and destroying yeah, walkers and, yeah. yeah, and death troopers. Not only that, but like, like force lightning bolts strong enough to take out entire walkers. Yes. Like, I was really, I was really surprised that um, the Bendu attacked everything. Yeah. You thought he was actually going to be like, fine, I'll help out. Yeah. Like, I really did because mm-hmm. he could see that, um, you know, Kanan and, every, and the rebels there meant no harm and everything else. Yeah. And that, that he would he would attack the attackers, mm-hmm. not everyone there on the planet. The one who brought the war. Yeah. 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 But he stayed true to form. He's all about the damn middle. Yeah. <laughs> You know, or all about himself. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of, yeah, because he takes out, you know, he takes out the walker, and in return, they actually take, he actually takes out a rebel um, A-wing. Yeah, and he, he takes out a couple of rebels. It, yeah, and he strikes the ghost several times, you yeah. know, maybe not as hard, but it's still... Yeah, still enough there. just to, like, you're an asshole. Yeah, pretty much. He's, you know, he's, Kanan Jarrus, Jedi Knights. You know? Yeah. He says, <laughs> sounds kind of pissed off. This is your friend? <laughs> Well, I might have made him mad. Um, yeah, Harris, that fun line. No, he's not the only one. Yeah, I know. Works. I know how he felt. That was a good line. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so, um, I, I like how Thrawn. The other thing I liked about the scene is how Thrawn said, "What Jedi devilry is this?" Yeah, like he's actually thinking it's like a giant Jedi like, trick, yeah, or something. Or and I think it might show the point that he understands what a Jedi can do, but he does has no concept of like Jedi mysticism or yeah, like, anything of what their force defense, is. The Bendu is a thing you don't really see pop up a right. lot true. in anything up until Rebels, like in the last season. Well, true, but it, overall he, I think he understands what a Jedi can do, but he doesn't yeah, understand the force, like abilities. You're right. But it's not deep enough to where you're Dealing with force entities. Entities, yes. And that's what and catches that's him off guard. kind of fair, actually. <laughs> yeah. Like, you have, like, a giant, almost demigod thing mm-hmm. in this universe. It's not something you expect to pop up. Yeah, it completely throws him for a loop. It, it, for the first time in the entire season... You see him caught off guard. Caught off guard. Oh, way caught off guard. Yeah, he's running. I mean, he's yeah, actually I mean, runs. you have someone who's logical encountering something that's spiritual. Yes, exactly. And it's it's a gap in his logic or like in his understanding. Yeah, and he can't. He even at the end, he's when he, after he shoots the Bendu down and stuff like that. He and he approaches him and he's and he he asks, "What kind of creature are you?" And Bendu goes, "One that cannot destroy me. Hmm. You you know you can't destroy me." He be all I bagged it ever, and he's yeah. like, and that's when Bendu hits him with that line. He's like, "I see you can't see, can you?" And he's like, "Well, what do you mean?" Hmm. He, even then, he's like. He doesn't get it that he's talking to him metaphorically. Mm. He's like, "What do you mean?" He asks, "Well, what do you see?" And he's like, "I see your, I see your death. I see your 
your defeat, defeat essentially. You know, uh, what was it like? Twelve grasping hands. Oh, in uh, a dark arms surrounding you, in a, in a dark embrace or something like that. Something. Yeah. So, so he falls into a Sarlacc pit. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. That's a good point. Oh, that's a good one, Brian. I didn't think about that. <sighs> Thrawn. Yeah, it was a good scene, like especially how another major character falls to the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, you have that kind of, like, cut and, like, back and forth between them just staring at each other. And I thought it was really well done. Oh, yeah. And Thrawn's reaction to that is more or less just, okay, blast. And then he's he goes, comes one with the Force and disappears. Yeah. And, then and that freaks with, him out. Yeah. Yeah. Because he thought he was dealing with something that was still a living entity. Still physical, entity. yeah. Strong, strong and powerful, but still a living entity. And then just disappears. And yeah, it's one of those things, how do you deal with that? And to his credit, he thought he had defeated it because he saw the eyes of the storm, so to speak, and he shot him down. Hmm. And, and you then see he, just the entire Bendu body just crash into the earth like a meteor. Right. And he thinks, aha, I've got this thing, whatever the hell it is. Hmm. And you know, and then he, he still doesn't understand, even at the end, though. Yeah. He has no concept. But I imagine, like, if you have Thrawn giving <laughs> as a character in the next season, that has to be something that's uh, kind of a paranoid thought in the back of his head. Well, it's... It's a direct contrast from Thrawn in the EU books. Because when we get to Thrawn in the EU books, now granted, that's just after Jedi. Mm. Thrawn has figured out that the reason why the Empire fell is is because the Emperor was killed. Mm-hmm. And that there was, that the Emperor, the reason why the Empire was always winning was because the Emperor was always overlooking his forces, was always guiding them through the force together as one entity. Mm. And he said, without that entity is why they lost. Yeah. And that was the big thing about the EU books. Okay. So do you think that's something we could see kind of re put back into the story? Or they could be rebuilt. This could be the starting point for Thrawn understanding the other side of the force. Okay. You know, understanding the bigger picture, so to speak. You actually see Thrawn having like a major revelation expanding his understanding. Like he might want to understand how the force really works, not Mm. just the physical realm, but maybe the, the Mm. mystical, that'd be an interesting spiritual side. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we'd be interesting. So, um, so we got a little off track there. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I apologize, gentlemen. I'm not as good with my notes tonight been a while since we had a good star wars podcast um so so let's talk about the uh the the mando attack on the interdictor i thought this was a cool scene i liked everything classic sci-fi yeah very um what was the thing that was a big inspiration for lucas going to the first star wars lost in space lost not lost in space um kurosawa and stuff like that Mm -hmm. i know what you're talking about i can't think of it it is another sci-fi thing it's um well, there's Battlestar Galactica, but I wouldn't put it with that. Oh, I can't think of it for life. I mean, it's a really cheesy old sci-fi thing. Oh, you're talking about um, Flash Gordon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It had a very Flash Gordon sort of feel, I think. Because, a little bit, yeah. Like, especially in how you had like the little circular helmet sort of thing. Like, that, it's very retro. That was the only thing I didn't like. I loved the Mandos in action. I loved the space, them running around in space and on the ship. I loved everything, but his cheesy-ass cut no, no, but outfit. Like, it really is like a really retro sci-fi sort of outfit. And you have them running on like the deck of the spaceship yeah. with the like blasters and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, it really is like a weirdly retro sort of Something like out of 50 sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. That's why it reminds me of something like Flash Gordon, which was okay. very cheesy retro sci-fi. I could see that, I guess. I That was the one thing I didn't like. I didn't like that outfit at all. I was like, yeah, that's... that's I just thought it was funny. That's a good point, though. I didn't think about it from a Flash Gordon kind of Saturday serial kind of feel. I don't know. For me, like, that scene kind of had that sort of, like, aesthetic to it. Okay. So that was the one thing I thought was out of place because you had these awesome mandos running around and mm. doing, and then there's Ezra with a lightsaber, but he's wearing this big fishbowl on his head. Yeah, and, but uh, it was funny because they even kind of made fun of his outfit even there. Like he's like, use your jetpacks. Like I don't have jetpacks. You have this little thruster thing. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. She pointed yeah. that out. That was a good line. Uh, what do you think about the mandos in action, Brian? Yeah, I mean, it was, I like it was awesome to see him. Yeah, in action. Yeah, like actually see them doing something. Yeah, um, not being I mean, background characters. Yes, and they fired their missile packs, which was awesome. Is yeah. it weird the one shield was actually having physical cracks in it, even though it was the um, the thing protecting the gravity well, like yeah, thing like it actually had physical cracks, even though it is like a an non- invisible invisible force. Yeah, like it's like a it force did, shield it, sort it, of thing. Yeah, it did seem kind of odd. It was like. It's invisible it until it starts getting penetrated, and then it, then you can see it now. Yeah, and now you can start seeing cracks in it, and it's like yeah, but it's like it's I didn't pick up shield, that at all. But in the same way, like the shield generator on the planet is right. Yeah, and that's the same and thing. So it's weird that it's it works like it's almost having that physical cracking. Like like it, it made sense when we saw it on um um oh what was the planet with uh, Jar Jar Binks. Oh, Naboo. Naboo. So it made sense on that one because the way their shields were generated, you can actually see them as like a, like almost like liquid type shield. Mm. Yeah. That made sense that when you saw it get penetrated or hit, you could see it kind of deteriorate. Mm. But like the shield generator on Geonosis and the, the mm. other ones, they're invisible. Yeah. So why they're do... Like force what, fields. Right. So why do we see this force field all of a sudden start having cracks and stuff? Yeah, and like I mean, I guess... Was- like, it would be one thing if it was, like, starting to flicker and you could see, like, the power outlet for it was, like, giving way. Like, it was under too much pressure, like you do for the force field on the planet. Wow. But you start seeing, like, physical cracks in the thing. Which yeah. Is, it doesn't make... It was just a weird component. I right? Like, I visually, it's cool. It's just weird. I didn't pick up on the crack thing, but I will tell you guys that the whole shield thing, it does happen on Naboo. It does happen with the... It's the same... If it got the shield generator from Geonosis and it was an old... Clone Wars separatist thing. Mm. If you look at the uh, destroyers, you know they all have that same pink shield look mm. kind kind of thing into it. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, and I granted the when you get by the time we get to Empire Strikes Back, you can't see it mm. even though they have a shield generator. And I agree, that's a little bit of a difference in continuity. It's mm. kind of an issue, but yeah, it's just just as a background. But okay. yeah, sounds cool. But yeah, I thought it was pretty cool overall. Really. Good space scene, you know, it was good use of uh, of, of the the Mandos. Yeah, it was action. kind of fun to see them in there, and it's kind of you never really a get fun to see that. Next season, if they want to include them, oh yeah, you don't really see Mandos in space actually, you know, mm. physically in, in battle. <laughs> Mandos in, in space, space, space. <laughs> there you go. Uh, all right, so <clears throat> so obviously the rebels get away. Uh, they pick up Callus on the way, which was kind of an interesting little oh, side. Oh, he has bit. a little escape pod. Yeah, he sends a little fulcrum message with his coordinates, and we're, they're like, "Okay, pick him up." Where they piss off the go- he pisses off the governor enough to get away, essentially. Yeah, 
It shows how incompetent she is, though, really. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of something, like, it's been one of his favorite hobbies in the Empire, apparently, is just making her look really bad. Really stupid. She really makes her look bad at this time. So, um, it looks like Sabine is heading back back to Cronist, or back Mm, to the Mandos. Might be taking a few people with her. Drawing a scene on the ship of everyone there, and trying to hint at what they're doing next season. It kind of reminded me of uh, the end of... um, Empire. Yeah, where everybody's going there. Everybody goes their own separate way. Oh, we're not going over there. We're going this way. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of... Yeah. We'll meet you here. Yes. Uh, so, so, yeah. yeah. Kind of, yeah. It's a good point. Um, Hera and the and the Rebels are heading, heading to Yavin 4, so we're going to Yavin 4 next season. That's pretty cool. Mm. You know, where we thought they were going to put their base originally before, you know, if we're finally getting there. Yeah. Um, or obviously that much closer to Rogue One era at this point. If if we don't hit it, we're gonna hit it soon. You know, it we're Yeah. Well less, I mean what was the timeline like the technically it's the season was like two years before two or years before, so you know, by the time we get to the beginning of season four we'll probably maybe be a year out. Yeah. We still it's, have a lot to see happen to Saul Guerrero because he's still whole at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot happened to Saul Guerrero yeah. in two years. So I imagine we're gonna see a lot of that probably. Well he ate the time too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves there. Um my other question I guess at the end of this is what do you think Callus is gonna do now? Do you think we'll see him anymore? Do you um, think we'll see yeah. him in the rebellion doing something? Um most likely he'll just be openly working within the Empire as just a soldier at this point. I mean, unless you, there's the possibility of him re-infiltrating, you know, anywhere well, sure. in the Empire. I could see him doing undercover work, maybe, because mm. he knows but the ins and outs of the Empire. But He could just be, like, an intelligence coordinator from that point going forward. There you go. That would be kind of cool, yeah. make him a rebel intelligence. Yeah. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I mean, obviously he burned his bridge going for the Empire. Yeah. Right? Right. So he's definitely going to be, I think he'll probably be one of, like, the, the, the strategery guys strategery. for the rebels. And that's how they probably he'll probably help them uh, expand their fleet because he'll know where certain things are that aren't guarded as well, yeah. um, and he'll know certain tactics, tactics that he's like, if we do this, they'll do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. As long as Thrawn's not there, right? Because Callus did seem to know a lot as long as Thrawn wasn't involved, mm-hmm. right? Because Thrawn's the much better, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Well, we are over an hour. It was an hour show, so uh, let's just get into final thoughts and grades. All right, Brian, uh, your final thought and grade for uh, uh, zero hour. <laughs> um, I would probably give this a. Um, it's hard for the rest of the season. I would give it an A. If yeah. I'm comparing to the rest of the season, okay. Uh, between this and the, the two sons, that was twin sons. Yeah. yeah, that was that was. These were probably the best, some of the best episodes we've had. Mm-hmm. However, comparing it to other season finales from other seasons, yeah, I would give it a B, B minus. Okay, I just I didn't feel it in this episode. I mean, yeah. it, it to me, um, it just didn't have that pizzazz. That, like, it's like the, not. Vader versus Ahsoka. Exactly. Sort of yeah, yeah, I mean, it just it just didn't have that emotional. Yeah, yeah I just it, I don't know. I just kind of felt felt off for this. Um, I did like a lot of the stuff that we did see. Um, the Thrawn character, um, kind of iffy on him, but 
yeah. it was kind of cool to see the whole uh, strategy side of things finally pay off. Yeah, um, as opposed to just a battle here, a battle there. Um, the rebels always getting the, the the upper hand on everything because mm-hmm. you know it wasn't going to be that way. Um, but some of the stuff we didn't like, like in this episode with Mon Mothra, just yeah. that whole uh, we don't want to be, we're not going to go 100% in. We'll just, you know, good luck to you, but we're not going to jump in this battle. Right. Kind of thing. I didn't, I didn't care for that either, like you didn't. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but yeah. Cool. I will build off that, and uh, I will also, I'm giving it a better grade. I'll give it a B. Plus. Uh, wasn't quite A status. It had a lot of good stuff. Had, I love the Mandos in action, I love the space battles. I love the uh, I love seeing the Bendu do his, his uh, force uh, the whole force cloud thing. I, I like that. Uh, I liked a lot of stuff about this, but like you, Brian, it didn't have the pizzazz of of, uh, of season two's finale. So, do you think you're you know? comparing it to like the season finales of previous seasons? Yeah. So you are just like the rest of the episodes of the season. I think yeah. I, I think I'm probably looking at it from that point of view because it is a season finale. Mm. And season one's finale was pretty good. This one is pretty good as well. well season two's finale was phenomenal. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned. So it's it's hard to it may they may never get season two ever again. Finale, honestly, it was that good mm. and that well written and that well done, in my opinion. Um, granted, it was completely different from what we saw. You know, this this season finale was more of a, all a rebels overall. Mm. kind of season finale whereas we dealt heavily with the Jedi and the mm. Sith for, for season two and a lot of mythology and, and whatnot. So so for me, yeah, this is definitely more of a B plus. This is not not a, a material as far as season finale goes. As far as the season goes, yeah, this season was not as good as season two either. It was I thought the season had a little bit more filler than season two did. And even season one did really. Yeah. Um so you know, overall, from if I had to look at it from a perspective as a season, as an episode by itself in season three, I'd agree. I'd probably bump it up maybe to an A. Mm. So, uh, Aaron, what do you think? Uh, I think I'm giving it a B as well. Okay. I mean, in terms of how Rebels has kind of worked its shows, like in the past seasons, it clearly has made like the mid-season finales and the season finales kind of a larger budgetary thing, a larger plot point thing. It's really been kind of highlights for the season so it's kind of hard not to compare it to other season finales or even mid-season finales Mm. Um, so I'm not necessarily comparing it to other episodes because I think that's the standard the show is kind of set for itself or it's the template it's set for itself true Uh, and while yeah this episode had a lot of things you do have finally Thrawn paying off you have some great fight scenes but at the same time it's nowhere near what last season was uh, you do still have some kind of lower, like, slower moments, and that's been true for the entire season so far. Um, that being said, I really did like the Bendu being a character throughout the entire season. Great. I'm kind of disappointed he's most likely not going to be returning as a character going forward. Yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, it had a lot going on, and it was a really interesting episode, so it's really, you can't hate on it too much. So. No, no. I, I, it was a good episode, it's just, it's not... This is what you want the rest of the season to be, not necessarily what you want the season to be now. Agreed. And building off that, gentlemen, real quick, because we've reached the end of Season 3, let's do a row, just a quick uh, overall, um, just your feelings of Season 3 overall, um, uh, grade-wise. What do you think, Brian? Um, now, this is just 
we comparing it to other seasons, however you or just look. by itself? Because by itself, mm -hmm. if I was to watch this, um, I think I would have been satisfied watching this as a you know a standalone season season of yeah a Star Wars of Star shows, Wars yeah. Um, however, comparing it to season two, right? Um, I don't think we had the same um, excitement. Mm -hmm. But I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we, one of the reasons why we really like the original Star Wars and stuff is all the Jedi scenes, all the lightsabers, all the, you know, those kind of duels and everything else. Mm -hmm. We really enjoyed those. Yeah. We didn't have a lot of that in this season. Yeah. This was more, this, this season to me felt more like the Rebels. It was. Like this was more about the Rebels than it was about the Jedi. Right. And I, I think that's where that I think that's where they're taking this series. Mm -hmm. So like, I think we're gonna see it in, epi in uh, season four. Yeah, it's gonna be more rebel based, more so than Jedi based, mm -hmm. which I think will take away from the stuff that we like. However, as far as storyline goes, it'll help us get to Rogue One, right, and fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. no, that also kind of depends on how much it focuses on the Mandalorian storyline right. as well. I will go off of that, and I will say that uh, if I was, if since we're going with this, if I was to grade it by itself, I'd agree that if I would probably give it uh, a solid B plus. If it was just a Star Wars episode, you know, one season of Star Wars of any, you know, by itself. However, when you look at it from a compared to all other seasons so far. Um, I would have to give it just a, probably a B to a B minus, um, and the reason why I give it a B minus is I feel like they gave up on Ezra being tempted by the dark side far too soon. It was, you know, we, that was kind of the big thing coming off season two: is Ezra going to turn to the dark side or not? That's what everybody talked about the entire summer. If you were a Star Wars Rebels fan, is he going to turn to the dark side? Isn't he going to turn to the dark side? If he does, he'll look like this. People were doing computer run, you know, mm. he's, this is what he's going to look like if he, you know, if he turns. They dropped that very quick, yeah, almost too quickly. Because at the beginning of the season, he was using the dark side. He was doing some pretty cool, cool shit. He was becoming pretty powerful real quick, giving in to the temptation. And all of a sudden... You know, it, one episode later, he's back to being happy-go-lucky Ezra, mm. and that's you don't see any residual effects. Resi that. There's no residual effects. There's no um, there's no growth. There's no mm. yeah, exactly. There's nothing there. Um, so, like, had you skipped that part of like season two and you just jumped from, like season one to season three, you probably you wouldn't have even yeah picked up on that part of the story. Probably not. And and, and I think that they, if I'm hoping season four, they go back. I'm hearing some rumors about season four, and I'm hoping that they come true. I'm not going to really elaborate on it because it's it's pure rumor. Um, but th if they reintroduce a dark side component to it, at least at least give us something for the Jedi. Are you expecting like there'd be more Inquisitors or something like that. Not so much that, just a a dark side presence okay. or threat, um, or Ezra or mm. for Kanan, probably more for Ezra. Mm. Um, just to re insert that component into the into the whole myth and the lore I think would do wonders for us um, because as much as I as much as I love seeing the rebellion as a whole and how it becomes a rebellion that's great but give me the other part too you know give me that that other 
of yeah, exactly. Jedi component to it. Wait, the other thing I oh, one last thing. The other thing I didn't like um, was the death of Darth Maul. Really? Yeah. I found that fulfilling, but yeah, go ahead. I didn't. I didn't care for the way it happened. Like there was. I think he he needed to be. Um, you wanted something more grandiose. Yeah. It's like instead of just a Obi Wan just kind of straight down the center break his mm. lightsaber like you didn't really see it hit him mm. and it just kind of broke his lightsaber and he's like Ugh. like <laughs> was he attached to the lightsaber I mean because even when they they showed a close-up of him there was no his there was no scarring there because obviously you don't bleed with a lightsaber but he was smoking though was he yeah, yeah. Oh, I, oh okay because I, I when I was watching I, I of course I was watching on my phone oh uh, yeah I, I, I didn't see the, and mm. it was just like, yeah, really. For but I man. did, I did really like the way he died, though. I mean, like with with the, with the, is he the chosen one? Is he? You uh, know, yeah. I really liked that part. I was right. like, that that's kind of cool that he yeah. even even in his death, he was he he was more. It was about the force, and he was like, uh-huh. is he the one going to bring? You know, right. That was cool. Right. Yes, that was very cool. But I really, I really wanted that battle. To be longer. To be longer. Yeah, we more, had a big discussion on that last podcast. Yeah, yeah. more of a battle than it was. But mm-hmm. yeah. anyway, Aaron, your thoughts? Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, for me, I'd probably give the season a C plus. Okay. Um, not fair. only is this an episode where you do have more episodes that are more filler, you have them in some of the worst spots in terms of momentum. Mm. Like you really have like a droid episode right after you have an episode that's really building up. You know the creation, the unification of you know the Rebel Alliance. Yep. And any momentum you have from that is just rocks. Yeah. It's not that it was even a horrible filler episode by any means, but it clearly was a filler episode in that it really didn't play that big a role. You could have had that episode at the beginning of the season, and you would have been fine. It really wouldn't have been an issue with like the momentum of it. And I just I think there's a lot of missed opportunities this season, not only in terms of how you're pacing it, but how you're setting things up. Like there are other storylines I think you could have done that probably would have been more fulfilling from a lot of the fans. And I, I agree with that. In fact, I was watching a panel Thursday with Filoni because we got Star Wars Celebration going on right now, and even he goes... He he said they do that intentionally, though. They will... Oh, the ups and downs. They do that so everybody can catch their breath, he says. But I I gotta disagree with him. I I think they're better off just going straight forward. Oh, I yeah. mean, there's yeah. certain seasons, like, you look at season two and you see where, like, it builds up and it drops down and you have these gradual little shifts you know kind of refocus but this like season you have like really high moments really low moments like, it's it's like not, really drastic yeah yeah like right. it's not just like a little drift to like kind of repace yourself sort of thing it's just drop yeah I, I, at the same time I feel like we've been spoiled by season 2 because season 2 was really really good at the same yeah, time man. though I think even comparing this to season 1 there's a lot more filler you don't have a lot of as many episodes that are purely focused on character growth, mm-hmm. and the pacing for season one was better. Yes, but it was shorter too. It's a shorter yeah. season, but yeah, that's true. Agreed, but yeah. All right, guys. So real quick, I will uh, just tell you where can you find four Midwest guys. Well, it's real easy. We have a website now. You can go to the number four MidwestGuys.com. Again, that is the number four MidwestGuys.com. One more time, the number four MidwestGuys.com. If you go there, you'll find our Twitter, you'll find our Facebook, you'll find our Podbean, you'll find our, most importantly, our iTunes for a lot of us out there, for all your podcasters out there. Plenty of ways to follow us. 
including including all of our podcasts are also on the website. They're also categorized at the top. If you just want to listen to Star Wars Rebels podcast, click the Star Wars Rebels link. If you like Marvel DC Kings, click Marvel DC Kings. If you like uh, our binge cast, click binge cast. And it's all there for you in chronological order. So please, please go to the number four midwestguys.com, the number four midwestguys.com, number four midwestguys.com, and check us out. All right, Mr. Hankabauer, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. And Aaron, thanks for joining us always. No, no problem. All right, and for B. Willie saying, may the force be with you always.